Hey, good morning. So glad that you've joined us again today, wherever you're watching from. We're so excited that you're a part of what we're doing in meeting together today, whether that's a part of uh, being a part of our congregation somewhere in the country or in the Philippines or somebody who's joined our journey over the last 12 or so months. We're so thankful that you're joining us. My name's Andy Elms and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church. Last week we celebrated an incredible weekend in the calendar, in the Christian calendar called Easter. And I want to follow on a little bit with our thinking today um, that what happens after Easter? That was a, a thought that was on my mind that so often Christians can do with Easter what they did with Christmas and that's pack it away on Boxing Day. And you know sometimes people make such a big deal about Christmas and the event or the weekend of Christmas. They come into somewhat of an anticlimax when Christmas is done. When they get to Boxing Day, they're like, "Okay, pack it away. Let's get on with normal life. When in fact, we should never do that because the message of Jesus being given and born to the world wasn't for a weekend. It was to affect our lives forever. But sometimes I think we can do the same, can't we, with Easter? We go through the Easter weekend involving the Thursday to Friday, the Saturday to Sunday. And then we get to Monday and it's almost like the world wants to now move on. And even Christians want to move on and say, well, we've done Easter now. That's Easter done for this year. That was Easter 2021. Now let's get back on with our lives. Now, I want to say to you today, let's not think like that. Let's not reduce Easter or indeed Christmas to being a weekend in the year where we think about how Jesus died on the cross for us. What's the alternative? We purpose, like the early church did, to live in the good of what Jesus did at Easter. To me, that's the alternative that I want to live in. I don't want to make Easter a Christian festival or something on my Christian calendar that I enjoy for a weekend, but then on Monday I'm like, all right, let's get back to normal. No, let's make what happened in that weekend, that first Easter weekend, 2,000 years ago, the normal of our life. So today I want to talk a little bit of a, a morning after message because I was pondering this thought. What was it like for the disciples that you have this epic moment of Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday morning? Resurrection Sunday, this epic moment. Come on, imagine what that was like to be there. They'd seen their Lord crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb. And then on Sunday morning, suddenly a sound goes out. He's risen. The Bible says that the earth began to quake, that those who were being held in the uh, bosom of Abraham were released. Uh, the world was shaking. People were seeing people who they knew had passed away, prophets of old, walking around Jerusalem. This was a mammoth moment where suddenly Jesus is appearing to some of the disciples. Everything changed in that moment. But what about Monday morning? You know, we kind of finish on Sunday, don't we? And he rose from the dead, resurrection Sunday, praise the Lord. But, but what about Monday morning? What about the next 40 days, the next 50 days? Because they're important to think about also. Because in that weekend, that first Easter weekend, where indeed Jesus died on a cross for the sins of man, he was buried, he became death for us that we could know his life. He rose again on that Sunday morning. Everything changed for everyone who places faith in him. I don't want to be one of these Christians that now kind of moves on like Peter did. Remember, Peter was confused about what had happened. And even though Jesus had risen from the dead, he went back to fishing. You can read about that in John 21, verse 3. It's kind of, he went back to fishing. He went back trying to regain a normal that he'd known before the weekend. In fact, a normal he'd known before encountering Jesus. But then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and upsets that normal. As you know in the story where he cooks them a barbecue, a fish on the beach and restores Peter back into the ministry and the life he intended for him. But that's what we can sometimes do, isn't it? We can have an incredible weekend 
which we did last weekend, where we consider his death, his burial, his resurrection. But then comes Monday morning. We love to celebrate about how Sunday morning came. But what about Monday morning? Are we awake now saying, he still died for my sins. He still uh, caused me to become a new creation. He still took my place on the cross. That's what I want to encourage you to be doing today. Don't make Christmas and Easter weekends in a Christian calendar, but let them be things that define us forever. And one of the ways I like to articulate this is to simply say, let's now live in the good of all that he did. Now, the disciples, we read about them, their lives were forever changed in that weekend. And our lives should be forever changed because of that weekend, that first Easter weekend, what happened on the Friday through to the Sunday. What happened in those days changed the disciples' lives forever. Even though some of them, like we said, tried to go back to embrace a normality they knew, they couldn't. Their lives had been changed. All that we, as his followers and his disciples in 2021, would have that same heartbeat and commitment. No, our lives have been changed forever because we've encountered Jesus. We can't go back. There's no going back. The, the bridges have been burnt. There's no return to anything I was or anything I knew because Christ died on a cross for me and he caused me to now know his life by his grace. I want to look a little bit about this morning after. Easter very much followed in the tracks of a series of Jewish festivals that were very well known and we teach on them today and these were everyday festivals and festivals were feasts. These were feasts that Jewish people celebrated in their calendar of remembering what God had done for them. Now there were three specific feasts that I want to highlight and show you that Jesus followed in the tracks of. Passover, Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. There were actually seven feasts that would take place over this um, time called Easter. But I want to focus on specifically these three feasts that were a part of Jewish festivals. These festivals were a part of your Jewish following of God or a Jewish person's following of God. They would happen every year. You had an expectancy that you would come through a season that we know as Easter where you would celebrate Passover, the feast of Passover, the feast then of Pentecost and then the feast of Tabernacles. Like I said, seven feasts, but I want to talk about these three, specifically about two, because it's so profound how Jesus followed so precisely in the tracks of these Jewish festivals. It's amazing. Everything he did from breaking bread with the disciples, every moment included in his death, burial and resurrection followed so precisely. It had to be God. It was so precise. Every word he spoke, every action he did over this Easter weekend, over these 50 days between Passover and Pentecost followed so precisely in the tracks of what a Jewish mind would understand concerning the festivals and feasts that the Lord had commanded them or commissioned them to celebrate. So again, time doesn't allow to go into great detail of any of these feasts, but they're certainly worth studying because each of them carry over to our new creation walk with the Lord today. The first feast that they would celebrate, and again, this is what we celebrate when we consider Jesus dying on the cross for us, was Passover. And again, people make the word uh, Passover or the feast of Passover something so religious. But think about it. It's very simple. The understanding is in the word pass over. When the Israelites or when the children of God back in Exodus 12 were in trouble, God caused a pass over. Remember, in his deliverance of them, there was this moment that we read about in Exodus 12, where he said, take a lamb, let the lamb be uh, slaughtered, sacrificed, and let the blood of the lamb be put upon the door frame of your house. And when the spirit of death, remember, um, Pharaoh had been experiencing a number of these uh, things sent by God 
to enable him to set his people free. The final one of them was death. He said, a spirit of death will pass through Israel or or through Egypt. And the only way to escape it is to take the blood of a lamb and place it on the doorframe or the door lintel of your house. Now, when the spirit of death saw the blood of the lamb on the doorframe, it says that the spirit of death would pass over that house and would not be able to have any authority within that house. The spirit of death could kill a person and a household to the left or to the right, but when the spirit of death saw the blood of a lamb on the doorframe of a home that belonged to a child of God, an Israelite, the spirit of death had to pass over that house. So when we celebrate the feast of Passover, what we're doing is we're remembering this moment in Exodus 12, all those years ago where death passed over the houses of those who had blood on the doorframe. What relevance has that got to us as new creation, New Testament believers? Well, the same, because the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you experience a Passover in your life. The moment you uh, say, Jesus, you were the Lamb of God. Remember, John recognised Jesus when he came with these words. He says, behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that God has provided, who takes away the sin of the world. You see, for us, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the spotless, blameless, without blemish Lamb, whose blood was shed on the cross for us. Now, when we place our faith, when any person places their faith in Jesus Christ, his blood is put on the doorframe of their life. So that in the same way death couldn't enter the home of an Israeli home that had the blood of a natural lamb on its doorframe, so now for us, we understand Passover for us is that the blood of Jesus Christ has now been placed upon our life. One to claim that we now belong to God. His death has become our death, that his life could be now our life. But also for us, we need to have a confidence that when death comes to our home, we no longer can die. We've been given eternity in Christ, that death and the works of the enemy have no authority in the life of a person that now has the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, without spot or blemish upon this life. Isn't that powerful? That's why we can't pack Easter and Passover away like we've sometimes done with Christmas, but rather we need to purpose to live in the good of it. Now, every morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, wait a moment, Jesus still died for me. He still shed his blood for me. The blood of Jesus is still what has redeemed my life and is on my life that says to every spirit of death and hell, you cannot enter because this life is now marked and belongs to God and it's sealed with his spirit. We could spend all morning preaching on the, um, the, the, the relevance of Passover to us as new creation Christians. But I want us to just understand that for them in Exodus 12, remember Jesus sent, um, God sent a, a deliverer, Moses, that led his people out of captivity into freedom. But when they experienced this first Passover, that we read about in Exodus 12, it involved a day and a moment. It involved a Passover lamb. It involved the shedding of the blood of a Passover lamb. And it involved their lives being free from that moment forwards. Like I said before, when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you're also in doing that, acknowledging him as the Lamb of God, whose blood liberates you, protects you and sets you free. So we understand that they started the feasts and the celebrations by celebrating Passover. And it was during Passover that we know that Jesus died on a cross. It was over that Friday. It was over that moment that he shed his blood for us like the Passover lamb. 
But then also we understand that 50 days after Passover came another feast, which was the Feast of Pentecost or the Festival of Pentecost. And it was a time of celebration. This is where people presented to God the first fruits. And over the next 50 days from when Passover ended um, and and, pen, and, and this 50 days began. It was a time of celebrating God, uh, recognising the first fruits, how he'd blessed them. Remember again, if we track the journey of the children of Israel, they were instructed to celebrate and remember the Passover where God provided the blood of their salvation and their freedom. But also then they were encouraged to present to him the first fruits of how he blessed them when he brought them out of Egypt. Now, this is so interesting in the way that what we celebrate as our Easter today follows so clearly in the tracks of what they celebrated in their Jewish customs and festivals. You see, Jesus rose on the Sunday and he rose on the first day of the Feast of Firstfruits. In fact, he was the first fruit from the dead. Isn't that amazing that he died on the Friday? He rose on the Sunday and on that day he rose was actually when the feast or the celebration of first fruits began. Now Jesus came out of the tomb as the first fruit of those who would now no longer fear death but could have an assurance of eternal life in him. He was the first of those who would rise from the dead and he made the way, like we said last weekend, for us to follow in his tracks that we no longer have to fear death as an enemy or a final conclusion. Now Jesus rose on the Sunday, but then these are the moments I want to look at. What happened next? Because we know that there were 40 days that Jesus spent on the earth with the disciples and then after 40 days he ascended he gave the great commission and he ascended he rose to be with the father and remember what was said in the same way you saw him leave one day you will see him return there were 40 days that he spent on the earth but then there were another 10 days that led the disciples into what they understood would be the Pentecost that had followed the Passover. These men, these men and his women had been raised to understand that first comes Passover where the lamb sheds his blood for the saving of the people. 50 days later comes Pentecost, which is a celebration of uh, first fruits. Now, it's amazing what happened in those 40 days. This is the question I've been thinking all week since we celebrated Passover and Easter last week, seeing Christ now as the Lamb of God. What happened in those days? Because to me, I don't think the disciples woke up on Monday morning and went, all right, back to normal now, festival's over. They'd sin the one they'd followed, die on a cross and then defy the tomb. Now, what began to happen really began to hit traction the very first day, that on that the first Sunday where Jesus rose from the dead, he instantly began to appear to people. He began to appear to Mary. He began to appear to certain disciples. As soon as Jesus had left the tomb after his resurrection that sealed that he was the saviour, he was the sacrifice of heaven, he was the Lamb of God, he began to do namely two things. And I want us to concentrate on these two things, the 40 or the 50 days that followed this incredible moment in history that redefined everything called Easter Sunday. Number one, he appeared to his disciples and his family. Number two, the Bible reveals he taught the disciples over a period of 40 days about his kingdom and then he sent out his followers to let his kingdom be known to everyone in the world. We have a very, very small window where we can look into this moment and it's in the book of Acts chapter 1. And I want to start reading from verse 1 um, through to verse 3. And it gives us this window of what was happening 
in the moment after his resurrection, the Monday morning after the incredible Sunday, the 40 days that followed this moment that we call Easter in our Christian calendars. We need to see that everything never went back, never went back to normal. In fact, a new way of living began, a new way of living called kingdom life on earth began. Now it says in verse 1, In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. Verse three, here's our window. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Now this is interesting. This is the moment I want to zoom into. What did Jesus do for 40 days before he ascended to heaven? Remember there was the death on the cross, there was the resurrection from the tomb. 40 days later we know the Bible records that he gives the great commission to his followers and then the ascension takes place. He ascended to be seated at the right hand side of his father. But again let's stay focused. What did he do on these 40 days? What did he do on the Sunday afternoon he was risen from the dead? What did he do on the Monday, the next day after this incredible Resurrection Sunday? Well, number one, the Bible says he began to appear to people who were his family, precious to him, and also his disciples. Again, time doesn't allow, but some references of this would be Mary Magdalene. We read in John 20, verses 14 to 16, that he appeared to Mary. Remember when she thought he was the gardener, and she said, what have you done with my Lord? And he said, Mary, hello, recognise who I am. So he appeared to Mary. Also, the Bible records in Matthew 28, verse 9, But this is Easter Sunday. This isn't a week later. This isn't 10 days later. This is even before the end of Easter Sunday, the same day that Jesus has risen from the dead. He appears to Mary Magdalene. The Bible also records he he appears to Mary and two others. And it records the famous um, appearance to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We read in Luke 24, verse 13, that again, two men, two of the disciples were walking down the road and they just experienced it. Easter and these men were trying to come with ter- to terms with they killed our saviour they killed our lord yesterday uh, today you know this weekend what's happened they took Jesus he died on the cross and suddenly they're walking with this man but the bible says that they didn't know it was Jesus and they began to speak to Jesus like a third party that didn't know what was going on they said do you not did you not hear what happened and then it says that Jesus pulled into a house with them and as he broke bread and took of a cup as he received communion with them the same people that he'd received communion with on the Thursday it says suddenly their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and the Jesus that they'd known now we also know in John 20 verse 19 that other disciples began to experience Jesus as well there's an account where he appears to the other disciples but Thomas isn't present in this appearance all of these things were happening in and around the same day that he'd risen from the dead Jesus never never went straight to heaven. Jesus never went and sat in a chair. He got busy straight away. What did he get busy with? Showing people, look, I beat the grave. I beat death. Just like I told you, I've conquered the grave. I've conquered the death. Now I am alive. And because I'm alive, you're alive also. Now I was considering this again. When he appears to Mary, she doesn't recognise him. When he appears to the men or the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognise him. It took something like the breaking of bread and the taking of the cup to open their eyes to who was actually present with them. That really encourages my heart. Whenever we take bread or wine, we should always be ready for the Lord to open our eyes to see him in a new way, in a way bigger than we've ever seen him before. But you know, sometimes we don't get that. We don't get moments like she didn't recognise him and the men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognise him because we're trying to bring this moment down 
to fit into our understanding rather than remember that he was now in the nature of his resurrected body. Jesus had come out of the grave spiritually fully alive as the risen saviour. We tried to pack him in a box that he must have looked like the Jesus that went to the cross or the Jesus they put into the tomb. Yet the Bible says no, it disagrees with us, that that Mary didn't recognise him and the men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognise him until he opened his eyes. You see, Jesus was now in his risen, he was in the nature of his risen body. And now he was the Christ. He was no longer Jesus. He was the Christ. He was the one, the son of God who had risen from the grave to whom nothing was now impossible. My friends, I want to encourage you. It's not good enough that you just consider Jesus like the Jesus you read in the Gospels. You need to understand that you're following the Jesus that is more than the Jesus that was in the Gospels. This one is the Christ. He's the one that conquered the grave. He's the one that rose from the dead. When we pray to Jesus for a miracle, we need we need to understand that we're praying to Christ Jesus, the one to whom nothing is impossible, not even death could hold him. Let's not try to know Jesus in some physical way like we know each other but let's be like the men on the road to Emmaus amazed by who he now is in the nature of his risen being to whom nothing is impossible so that was Easter Sunday stay with me I know it's a busy journey over the next eight or so days he appears again to all of his disciples and to Thomas and this is the moment when he says to Thomas you know hey doubt in Thomas touch me touch the hole in my side if you don't believe it's to me but again this is Jesus in this moment in his risen body we've got to understand the same Jesus that is saying to Thomas touch my physical body is the same Jesus that doesn't open a door he walks through it we can't try to pack Jesus into a being that we understand that's based on who we are our physical life and what's capable to us we need to realize again at this moment he's risen Jesus he's the Christ to whom nothing is impossible he also appears to seven disciples on the sea of Galilee we know that moment where he restores Peter again there was an encounter with the disciples on the sea of Galilee he also appears according to 1 Corinthians 15 6 to over 500 people at the same time so there's no way that the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees could say this was an isolated account with his followers alone he appeared to over 500 people and again on Matthew 28 we see Jesus appear prior to his ascension uh, before the disciples 11 of the disciples and he commissions them to go on out and preach the gospel to every creature making disciples baptizing them in water baptizing them in the holy ghost and teaching them to obey everything he had taught now i hope that you can see like i'm seeing it wasn't a case of sunday's over now let's pack easter away in fact the reason i'm saying this is that we need to grasp that just as everything changed for the first disciples that day so everything needs to change for us let's not be those christians that just as they pack away the baubles of christmas on boxing day some of them others a few days later let's let's resolve in our hearts we're thankful for easter but now we're going to live in the living good and the living reality of everything that jesus did and made available for us that's why sometimes you know i have trouble celebrating easter and christmas i just want to be open and transparent with you because they're no longer weekends to me it's my life when we reduce these incredible things like the birth of christ and his death burial and resurrection to something we merely celebrate one weekend out of 52 come on haven't we severely missed the point rather we should have no anticlimax in our life oh there's an anticlimax that you had time off of work and you've got to go back to work i get that but not in our christian walk with god there should be no anticlimax but today the same celebration you had on easter sunday should be resounding and ringing through the corridors of your life why because it remains true he is risen my redeemer 
lives. So what did he do? The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 1, over these 40 days, he taught them concerning the kingdom. His kingdom, his rule and reign, that was now not just in heaven, but also on earth. You see, over that Easter weekend, he'd taken back the keys of hell and death from the enemy. The same keys that the enemy had stolen from Adam and Eve in the garden. On that Saturday, when it all seemed quiet of the Easter weekend, it wasn't quiet beneath the ground, if you'll allow me to say it that way. Jesus was taking back the authority that had been stolen from Adam, from the one who had stolen it, which was the enemy, Satan. His agenda, as we know in the Great Commission, is to not take those keys back to heaven with him, but to now make these keys the possession again of those who were his followers. And that includes you and me. So over that 40 days, he could have spent those 40 days teaching on all manner of stuff, couldn't he? He could have spent those 40 days talking about this or that. But the Bible records by the leading of the Holy that he spent 40 days teaching his disciples about the, the kingdom, teaching them and equipping them about the kingdom. Not the kingdom that was in heaven or the kingdom that was leaving with him, but the kingdom that now remained on earth that they were now citizens of because he'd risen from the grave. Isn't that incredible? In many ways, in many ways that Sunday, not only did he come alive, we came alive too. You know, many Easter's we've sung that song and I jumped out of a grave. We need to understand that when Jesus rose from the dead, we rose too. He was the first fruits of those who would no longer be able to be held by death. In many ways, you know, like it says in Hebrews 12, 23, we're a part of the church of the firstborn from the dead. That's who we are. When Jesus walked out of the tomb on that Sunday, I know that many people teach on the day of Pentecost the church was born. I don't know. I think on the day of Pentecost the church was empowered. But I believe that the church was born the same moment when its saviour and its king was born. But a kingdom came into being when the king no longer remained dead. On that Sunday, the king of kings walked away from the tomb. He walked away from death and he walked away from everything that could hold him. And the Bible says that our lives are now in him, which means when he walked away, so did we. When he came alive, his church came alive in his likeness. I'm actually really excited about what church is going to look like as we begin to gather again. Like I alluded to last week, I've been comparing in my own heart in many ways this picture of them taking Jesus, the body of Christ, and placing him in a tomb, thinking it was all over. And then that glorious Sunday moment, morning where he leaves the tomb more alive, more powerful, more relevant than he's ever been before. Now, the Bible says that he's the head of the church, but the, the church, as you and me, we're the body of Christ. And like I said last week, in some ways, this last 14 months or so has been like everything worked its very best to put us in a tomb, to silence us, to stop us, to put us to sleep. But the good news is, I don't know about you, I feel a springtime coming where we may be gathering a few at a time and then a few more. But we're in this incredible moment, I believe, where the church, the body of Christ, you and me, are about to burst out of every tomb of lockdown, every tomb of COVID, every tomb of government restriction that's been placed on us and social gathering and distance, out of every tomb that was sent to shut us down, to actually stand in a greater place of relevance and power for this earth than we've ever done so before. You see, what the enemy meant for bad or for ruin, Jesus will use for good. So on this morning, this Sunday morning, these 40 days, we see that Jesus busied himself. He wasn't sitting there doing nothing. He busied himself as the one who was the head of the church of the firstborn, those firstborn, him firstborn from the dead. He busied themselves teaching them the kingdom 
a kingdom that was now present, a rule and reign that was now present on earth, that was greater than any rule or reign or any kingdom that had been before or indeed after. For 40 days, Jesus released them to tell others about his kingdom. Because, you see, his kingdom had a whole different way of living connected to it. Wherever there's a kingdom, there's kingdom life. Now, if you come into the United Kingdom, there's a kingdom life to the United Kingdom. But if another kingdom came into the United Kingdom, the kingdom that came into the United Kingdom would bring a kingdom life of its own for those who were citizens of it. We need to understand this is exactly what was happening in these 40 days. The kingdom of God, whose king was Jesus, was now present on the earth. And within this kingdom, there was kingdom life, kingdom ways of living. Basically, when you listen to the teachings of Jesus on the Mount or in the Beatitudes, what you hear Jesus teaching is the life or the ways or the attitudes of his kingdom. But now what Jesus is doing in these 40 days, he's using the 40 days to teach his followers and the citizens of this new kingdom on earth, this old world order now established on earth, the ways of the kingdom. This is how you love. This is how you live beyond the impossible. This is how you get a miracle when everyone says it can't happen. This is how you help people to find peace and joy. He taught over 40 days a classroom on what I would call kingdom life, which is a better way of living, an alternate way of living that superseded any way of living that a person on the earth had experienced up to this point. But then what did he do? We see that with his teaching on the 40 days, he then ascends, 10 days pass. But before he ascends, it's almost like graduation on these 40 days. Let's leave the 10 days over here, concentrate again on the 40 days. He's gone through Passover. And again, I know there's so much more depth to Passover and the feasts and the tabernacles and the feasts of weeks. I understand that. But I'm trying to focus on this 40 day period with what I'm trying to undergird or relay to you today. The first thing he did when he walked out of the tomb was he spent the next 40 days teaching his disciples. This is kingdom life. This is how kingdom citizens live. This is what kingdom people can expect. I know that the world says that you should expect this, but this is what you can now expect as someone who's a citizen, someone that belongs to my kingdom. 40 days he teaches on his kingdom now present on the earth. And then the moment on the 40th day before he ascends, we read about the Great Commission. What does he do within the Great Commission? He basically says to his followers... Right, I've taught you now about the kingdom. I've taught you the ways of the kingdom. I've taught you how a person can come into the kingdom. I've taught you how a person should live when they're in the kingdom. Now I release you in this life and in the kingdoms of this world to go and teach about my kingdom, to invite people into my alternate way of living, my better way of living, my kingdom life that isn't far, far away in another realm, but is right here in and on the earth, in and through your lives. You see, in the moment they were commissioned and sent out, they weren't sent out just with a message of what Christ had achieved on the cross. But rather, when you begin to read through the Gospels, the book of Acts, you see that these men and women that were present in these first 40 days that followed the resurrection, dedicated every moment and every breath they had to letting others know there's a better way of living that's present now on the earth. There's a new kingdom that's present here. Oh, the king beat the death. He beat the grave. He beat the cross. He's seated at the right-hand side of the father. But don't kid yourself for a moment. That king we speak of is one day coming back. I know that my redeemer lives and one day he will stand on the earth. But what they were sent to communicate was that 
everything has changed because of Easter. Everything has changed because of this weekend that we went through that was formerly known to your Jewish way of understanding as Passover and, and, and Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. Everything has changed. A kingdom that was once in heaven is now present here on the earth. And here's the good news. You're welcome to come into this kingdom. You don't have to wait until you die to experience the rule and reign, the goodness, the kindness and the attitude of God's kingdom here on earth. Stop carrying the culture of the kingdoms that you were naturally born in and begin to enjoy, come into and carry the culture of a kingdom that's not far, far away, but right here, right now. Jesus sent them out with the message of the kingdom. There's a slight difference between them and us, but the calling is the same. Jesus expects us now as his followers who have believed in Easter and have purposed to live in the good of what he achieved in Easter. We too are now called to be carriers of his kingdom. There's a slight difference when I read about them. The Bible reveals that they were saved, then they were taught, then they were commissioned and then they were empowered. The 40 days went past, Jesus ascended 10 more days and then came the day of Pentecost where God poured his spirit upon the church. Now for us, it's mixed up a little bit, isn't it? You know, when I think about us, I'm thinking, well, actually, they were saved, taught, commissioned and then empowered. But the Bible reveals because we're living in the good of Pentecost, for us, we're saved and then we're empowered straight away. Isn't that amazing? But they had to wait for, we receive instantly. For us, the Bible reveals that when we're saved and we place our faith in the one who was the Passover lamb, Jesus, the very next moment we can know the empowering of the spirit. And then we come under the teaching of the word of God. And then the Bible says we too are commissioned to go on out and tell the world. So I want to end this thought this morning. What Jesus did the moments after he walked out of the tomb was he established his kingdom and he called people to begin to live kingdom lives. He said, it doesn't matter if you were raised this way, that way. This is what you thought about this and this is what you thought about that. Now you're a kingdom person. The ways of the kingdom, the teachings of the kingdom, my kingdom, are to become the teachings and the guidelines and the due north of your life. A couple of challenges for you as we consider the moment after Easter, the 40 days and what Jesus achieved in them and how it affects us today. Just as they were called to be kingdom people from that moment on for the rest of their lives, so we're called to now be kingdom people 2,000 years ago. The reward or the tribute we pay to actually understanding Easter correctly is to now live our lives completely different, completely for him, sold out for him as our king and his kingdom as our normal. We're to live in the good of Easter and not pack it away or treat it as a mere weekend in our Christian calendar. We need to purpose to live in the victory of Passover Oh, I hope this week that you live in the victory of Passover, that you don't lock away what Jesus achieved in Passover on our behalf when he shed his blood and placed it upon our lives, that death would have no authority or dominion over us or in us any longer of his resurrection. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful in a few weeks' time if we suddenly just start singing resurrection songs again on Sunday morning? But, you know, some Christians, they would go into like a pinball table, into tilt. Some Christians would go, why are you singing resurrection songs? Four weeks have gone past, six weeks have gone past. We're singing resurrection songs because we're still celebrating. He's no longer the Jesus of the gospel but he's Christ Jesus, the one still risen from the dead, the one to whom we pray that nothing is impossible. 
The one to whom cancer must still bow the knee and COVID must still flee. He's the Christ Jesus that still now has all authority over the devil and has given us authority over him also. He's the same living, risen Christ Jesus that left the, the, the courts of hell and, 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 and death and gave us the keys and said, now enforce kingdom life, rule and reign on this planet you live yourselves upon. Or you now live upon. But it's the third one I want to leave you with today. We need to do what the first disciples did. We need to purpose to busy ourselves. Making his kingdom known to others. We can't just let other people know that Jesus died on the cross for them. Rather we need to do what Jesus asked the disciples to do. And that's to let the whole world know that there's another kingdom that's present here on earth. That yes, we were born in natural kingdoms through natural ways involving our parents, but much more than that, each of us have been born again, born of the Spirit, the moment we placed our faith in the one who was our Passover lamb. Our lives, like his, his passed from death to life. And our lives were brought into a new kingdom that's present now. Isn't that exciting? I just want to encourage your hearts with that. The kingdom of God is not far, far away. The kingdom of God is present here on earth. And when we become believers in Christ, we become citizens of that kingdom. Too many Christians are waiting till they die to experience the kingdom of God. They want to fly away one day, oh glory. Come on, let's wake up to some gospel truth. Not only is that kingdom present with him, where he's seated now in heaven, ruling and reigning, but it's present also on this earth. And it's in us and it needs to now be released through us. We've been given the incredible opportunity to invite those who haven't yet done it to come on in to his kingdom and enjoy the power and the benefits of his kingdom that he's now left on earth. So let's be inviters. Let's not be people who pack Easter away. Let's not get the Easter bunny and a few Easter eggs and a bit of remaining chocolate that's left and pack it away in some experiential box of the Easter of 2021 rather let's be brave let's be more courageous let's be people that resolve in our heart today oh no Easter isn't a weekend in my life that happens around springtime I'm going to live in the good of Easter every moment and every day of my life I'm going to celebrate the Passover he provided with his own body, the resurrection that defied the odds and made anything possible, each and every moment, in every situation. And I'm going to continually remember, I'm a kingdom person who's a part of a kingdom that's now on this earth, whose king is a returning king, and his name is Jesus Christ. If you're watching today and you've never come into his kingdom maybe you've never heard the kingdom of God taught on you've heard Jesus taught on as the king but you never knew that that his kingdom was present right here right now for you to enjoy a kingdom of peace a kingdom of righteousness a kingdom where miraculous things happen impossible situations turn around a kingdom where people treat you differently or they're meant to treat you differently than what you've been treated in the kingdoms of this world. A new and exciting way of living that's not waiting for us the other side of a grave, but is here and now for every person to enjoy. One prayer, and the Bible says you can come in to his kingdom today and be one of his kingdom citizens and know a whole new way of living, not just in the life to come, but this one right here, right now. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And as I lead you in this prayer, 
All I want you to do is say amen at the end. Amen means so be it, let it be. And if you say amen, what you're doing is you're saying, yeah, I want that too, Andy. I want to acknowledge Christ as my saviour today. I want to give my life to him today. I want to come into his kingdom today. I don't want to waste another moment. Maybe for you, you're watching and I've given you something to think about today. I don't want to push you into this decision. I want you to continue to consider these things that you've heard. Look in the Bible for yourself. Read about Jesus for yourself, that you would reach the conclusion. He is Lord and he is Saviour. But maybe you've been backslidden and you've been away from God and something today is like an alarm clock going off of you, inside of you, and you need to come back today. When I say amen, you say amen too in this prayer and the power of this prayer will be yours in this moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you. But Lord, your son, Jesus, followed in the tracks of Easter as Jewish people knew it to bring to us salvation in our generation. We thank you that he died on the cross for our sins as the Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of man. We thank you that death couldn't hold him after making payment for sin and death. He rose from the dead. We thank you, Father, that the word of God records instance over instance. And these are just the ones, Father, that your word records. There must have been so many more where Jesus showed himself as alive and risen. Thank you that he opened the doors to a new kingdom and a new way of living, not just in the life to come, but in this life also. Today, Father, I choose to believe that Jesus is your only beloved son, risen from the dead, whose kingdom I can now know and be a part of. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for opening the doors of your kingdom on this earth and the one to come for me to know and be a citizen and a part of. I give my life to you today. I surrender my life to you today, Jesus. Be Lord of all and King of kings. Amen. Amen. If you've just said that word, amen, you're saying that prayer is mine today. You may have never known him. Today you start a relationship with him. Maybe you've gone astray. Today you come back to him. Maybe you've said what you've said has intrigued me. Then please, I beg you to consider and to continue to consider these things. Because God loves you so much. He's always loved you and he always will. See you next week. God bless.